it has been way, way too long for that music. I'm just going to tell you right now. Justin Passamonte, I just want to tell you right now, not only is the entrance music perfect, this studio is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Just want to let everybody know that Justin has officially made it to the basement, and this studio looks phenomenal, and Woo. I am honored to be part of it. So thank you very much for the invitation back, Justin. Yeah, applause. Yes. Uh, my two guests are applauding already. They are ex- extremely impressed by this space as I am. Absolutely. Uh, I have a musician in the house, um, and the first thing he said is, who's the drummer? We have a full <laughs> drum kit here, and Justin has it set up, and it's looking great. Um, so the space is beautiful. Brian Lane is back. Uh, so I'll give a little background information before we jump into my guests here. Uh, I appreciate, first of all, everybody's patience with the Hempletic podcast. Uh, financially, things were a little rough for me the last year. I didn't want to put Justin in a position where he had to be nice to me for no reason. So I kind of took a step back to focus on the business and to uh, extend my network of relationships uh, to make it so I can bring you guys more quality guests and to make sure everybody understands what's going on with the New York regulations, which are coming fast and furious. Um, So I do apologize, but I want to personally thank everybody who downloaded episodes in the last 12 months, which I think is about the time since my last download. And I have had over a thousand downloads in that time without any new episodes. Uh, And I believe I added four countries in that time period. And across the U.S., it stayed pretty, pretty uh, saturated amongst the 46 states. So I just want to thank everybody who downloaded me during the time that I was down and the people who supported me. And I want to reach out to two people specifically, Rick Walder and Rita, uh, my stepmother. Uh, Both of them have been on my butt for the last year for not having episodes (laughs) to the point where I was getting text messages nearly weekly. So uh, Rick and Rita, I just want to put it out to you and my father as well. He's listened to every episode. So those three people I know have listened to every episode outright. And I just want to thank them for their continued support and patience with me. And Rick, this one's for you. Um, so, so we have a couple guests here today. We've got rid of all that admin bull crap so we can have a little fun. Um, so in my time, uh, this year, folks, uh, been growing a business number one, uh, to get us ready for this THC licensing, uh, helping to do that with, with my business partners. Uh, but also I've been doing a lot of networking. So I have met a lot of people through different events like I was before. Uh, and I met the individual that's sitting in the room with me at an event, the revelry down in New York city. Uh, I guess it was November now that yeah. it was. I can't believe it was that long ago. Um, I feel like we've been friends for much more than three months, Jeffrey. Absolutely. Um, but I, what I, who I have is uh, an individual I met at the Reverie. It was in a cannabis event that we had members of the Office of Cannabis Management, legacy growers and processors, as well as current licensed hemp processors and growers. Uh, all came together in a small museum uh, in New York City, Brooklyn, and it was a eight hours of some of the most energetic conversations and energy that I've been around a long time. And in that meeting, I was very diligently sitting in the middle of the crowd when this this gentleman stood up to a microphone to ask a question <laughs> of of a person to talk about uh, a lot of the uh, revelry content was about the failures of other states um, and how New York had to be better. And that's really what a lot of it was about, plus gathering information on what the current market is and how to improve that market uh, moving forward into the into the legal 
rec licensing. Uh, so it was a very exciting event. So Jeffrey stood up there, uh, asked a phenomenal question. I uh, said it was from Rochester, New York. I was excited to hear someone else from Rochester <laughs> at the event because there oh, weren't boy. many Rochester people there. Uh, so I think it took me about 20 minutes to go find him and introduce myself to Jeffrey Medford. Yes. So Jeffrey and his operations director, we have them both here today. Uh, we have... Matthias Santiago, who they call Moof, Moof, and Jeffrey Medford. And if I'm not mistaken, both of you guys are from the New York City area. Is that yeah. yep. correct? Yep. Uh, welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. So good to be here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so these guys obviously are part of the legacy market. Um, they uh, have been involved in the THC game for, for longer than just this licensing is, is coming about. Um, and Jeffrey really had an eye early that I noticed that he was very concerned about how things are going to move forward to allow people, legacy people. So the definition of a legacy, first of all, Jeffrey, first tell us the de de definition of someone that would be considered legacy. Oh, great, Brian. Put me on the spot. Very good. <laughs> we try. <clears throat> so what we consider a portion of the legacy market, and if I make any mistakes, please move. I Feel got you. To, no to no jump worries. right in there. I will tell um, you. They are... Uh, Individuals who have um, been affected, uh, been affected by the either sale or purchase of cannabis, uh, they might have been arrested or incarcerated at some point in time. Um, their legacy also consists of uh, individuals that are veterans, as well as uh, individuals that are farmers that. Or may, may be having some type of problem. Now, know? it sounds like you might be describing the social equity definition right now. Perhaps I am. That, that's yeah. okay. So I'll let you finish with that. That mm -hmm. Go ahead, please. Go ahead, finish with the well, last stages of that. Legacy, then I think my first example would, would best I identify uh, a legacy participant. One who, uh, some people tend to uh, categorize them as someone who is either Latino or African-American, but um, we don't look at it like that. We look at it, anybody who has been involved in the cannabis space and has been greatly affected by the sale um, or purchase of cannabis. And the legacy market also includes people that have been growing uh, under the radar of law enforcement for many years. Yeah. Um, you don't and, need to be convicted of anything to be considered legacy. That's mm -hmm. an important point to me. Yes, you, you more than likely were part of the legacy market if you got convicted, yes. but yeah, that is not a precursor. You could be a legacy grower, correct, yes. um, without actually having been um, arrested. Yeah. Um, and th so that's the first component I want to talk about, first of all, um, is let's talk about the de decriminalization of this plant, first off. Um, move, how old are you? 24. Uh, how old are you, Jeffrey? I'm 56. And I'm 49 for everybody, just so everybody has a reference to who's in the room. <laughs> so we, we do have a younger person, and, and I love having moved because he hasn't been around to see what Jeffrey and I have been around mm -hmm. to see how this plant has been treated, yes. unfortunately, for, for many decades. And Move now is in a great spot where he saw a little bit of it, but now he can actually do something more positive. 
uh, for everybody through it. Um, mm-hmm. And I know I've met have had many conversations with Muth. He's a very intelligent young man who understands the subtleties of relationships and um, laws and how to kind of figure out how to manipulate that data and bring it out to people. He's mm-hmm. very good at that. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. And, and Jeffrey, one of the biggest things I want to talk about too is not, not we talk about decriminalization. So this gray market that these legacy people in, they kind of are in a good spot right now because mm-hmm. it doesn't look like New York State wants to right now write a ticket for anything marijuana related. You've heard the same thing, correct? I, I not only have I heard it, but I, I've pretty much so... Um experience it experience that not just here in rochester new york or upstate new york but also downstate Uh, you know like it's not as criminalized as it was in the past so i mean this is a great time to be in this space a wonderful time to be in this space you know yeah, one of the craziest things I saw when I knew it was really open and no one was going to get ticketed was uh, there was two dudes on the subway with a whiteboard listing all their strains and the price for an eighth, and they like walked around offering it to people like uh, candy bars <laughs> from the olden days. It's craziness. That's crazy. Yeah. The Wild West. Yeah, really. <laughs> so California is the true Wild West with the regs in place now. Right. Yeah. New York right now is a wild west until these regs get written and put out. Mm-hmm. Now, I, correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get a uh, something sent to me today that talked about provisional licensing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like it's geared around people that were hemp um, licensees, uh, growers. Right. Uh, that's where it looks like that's going to head towards. Um, I think it's very important for the genetics piece of this for New York State. Yeah. Um, so I am happy that the legislation is moving forward uh, and we do have good people in the background writing this legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we found out is we met some of these people while we were at the Revelry event in Brooklyn, Jeffrey. Right, so, right. so why don't you just tell people a little bit about your perspective of that Revelry event and what you took out of it from <clears throat> a legacy individual? Um... I thought it was one of the best informational forums that could have ever taken place. Not just the fact that it was in New York City, but um, they had a really good host of different individuals that really made it complete. I mean, from the growing aspect to the loan aspect to the uh, compliancy aspect, it seemed like they covered all of the grounds really, really well. And that's what made it, you know, made it so nice. What I got from that, Brian, is that when I left there, man, I was just excited. I was so excited to see this taking place on another level that uh, when I got back to Rochester, that's the first thing I wanted to do. I was like, look, let's try to do the same thing. Let's try to duplicate what we saw in, uh, in New York City. You know what I mean? Let's, let's bring that to Rochester, that same energy, the same fire, the same passion that everybody had during that meeting. You know what I mean? And... Um, I went back, came back to Rochester with that and tried to just reach out to people and see, you know, who had that same vision, that same idea of uh, bringing it back home. And, uh, you know, one of the first places I headed was the Rock Normal meeting that they had. And uh, from the Rock Normal meeting, um, I met uh, City Councilman uh, Mike Patterson. Patterson. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm so horrible with names the sister who runs the uh rock normal meeting what is her name mary mary yes yes so mary's been doing this for quite some time as well but it was just it felt really good just to be in a circle of people who are trying to create some change you mean and i was inspired by uh what she was doing as well and of course sitting down and uh 
meeting with uh, City Councilman Patterson, one of the first things he said in the meeting, and not even really knowing who he was, but one of the first things that he said in the meeting is that he was looking for some people who basically just wanted to talk to him. You know, people who are in the cannabis space that wanted to talk to him. And I sat there, like, <laughs> getting ready to burst out of my chair because, like, I, I want to, hey, man, I'll talk to you. Yeah, sure, I'll talk to you. Not only will I talk to you, but I can bring you a, quite a few other people that would love to talk to you about what's going on right now and how they feel and what they would like to do. And from that, uh, we met, and um, I put together a meeting at, uh, at our space. And Please tell people what the name of that space is. <laughs> that space is called uh, The Green Lounge. At The Green Lounge, ROC on Instagram. Yes, 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 yep. So we had a meeting there at The Green Lounge, and um, uh, city councilman came and, and spoke, and um, seemed like everything kind of much, pretty much so just kind of took off from there. I'd like to also add that um, I'd like to say, Brian, that you were quite, quite helpful in that arena as well, just, you know, Word. having someone to talk to and confine. And, and you pretty much so understood everything. Uh, I think you might have understood where I was coming from because you were in that meeting uh, in New York City as well. So that it made it a little easier to kind of sit back and get with people who, who had an even better idea of the atmosphere here in Rochester and how we can make things better. So my applause to you, my brother. <laughs> you know? Hey, I just uh, met people and mm -hmm. I continue conversations and we have yeah. relationships, right? That's, that's what we do. Um, Absolutely. And I've been to the Green Lounge, so I just want to let everybody know uh, they do have events that are going to come up at the end of the podcast. They'll let you know about it and where to follow and where to find their space. Mm -hmm. uh, and once you, they, you hear what they're doing there, you're going to want to go and visit. Mm -hmm. um, very, very great space. Uh, yeah. We will get back to that. Yep. Um, yep. Mike Patterson. So this is a big, this is a big <clears throat> piece. I don't want to go past this. Right. So you met Mike Patterson. I was also invited to come to your space when mm -hmm. Michael was there. Right. Uh, and we had a great meeting amongst some legacy people here in Rochester. It wasn't a huge meeting, but the energy was great. And I loved Michael because he talked about going to MJ BizCon mm. and then going to the state of Illinois mm -hmm. to really dig in to learn about the cannabis industry. Yeah, the guy did his homework. There's not sure. a lot of politicians that have done this, folks. Now, the OCM... Uh, Jeremy Cooney, mm -hmm. Cooney, excuse me. Uh, they're all people that are definitely have been helping perpetuate the legislation. Right. But in each individual city across this state, you have not seen legislators jump in. You've seen many of them getting into the opt-in, opt-out conversation, right. learning a little bit more about the plant and about what legislation might be coming down. But then essentially most of the state opted out mm -hmm. um, yeah. because they're nervous about the state and what the state mandates will come behind that. Right. I kind of get it from these municipalities. Mm -hmm. But Rochester did not do that, right? Rochester has transitioned to a new mayor. Yep. Um, and it was going on through this process. But yet... Mr. Patterson, the mm -hmm. city council, and the mayor-elect all knew that something had to be created for this space here in Rochester mm -hmm. to get Rochester ready ahead of Buffalo, ahead right. of Syracuse, right. ahead of Albany, ahead Absolutely. of Watertown. Because mm -hmm. So he decided um, with the city, and mm -hmm. I believe it was um, Malik, the, Malik, our Evans, new mayor, yeah. yep. Malik Evans, uh, reached out to Mike Patterson mm -hmm. and kind of tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, I kind of wanted you to be my cannabis guy for the city. Yeah. And you got invited to be part of this whole thing. Absolutely. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to try and get the name of it right. <laughs> they have created a City of Rochester Cannabis Ready you got Committee. It. You got it. 
Hit the rail on the head. Yes. <laughs> okay. Hit the rail on the head. Rochester Cannabis Preparation Commission. Mm. Thank you. The, the Preparation Commission. Um, yes, so I was wrong, as usual. Very close. Um, <laughs> Are you close? But um, <laughs> a- anyways, I, as soon as I heard about this, I was very excited because I also know that Rochester has some other initiatives that they're working on as well right now, um, including like a co-op type setup where they want to do some job training, training in the city and they're setting up a board for that or they have a board set up and they're trying to find a space um, to do that. So I know the city is very much ahead of trying to actually train people and get people involved and make people understand what they have to do to get ready. Well, um, you know, I, I will say that uh, the training of people was something that kind of grew in-house. You know I mean? That's one of the first things that we kind of took the initiative to move forward. Yeah, on. for sure. Yeah. It's, it's all about educating everyone. So we're all at the same base, good quality level. Right. and can be compliant without too many issues. Yeah. That was one of the first things that I kind of pushed. And I didn't push that as someone who's just got this great deal of education and knows everything. There are some places and there are some spaces within this, uh, this whole uh, cannabis thing that I need some improvement on. Uh, I need some improvement on some of my business skills, some of my computer skills, some of my accounting skills. So I pretty much saw if said to myself, if I'm there and I need some help, perhaps there's some other people who need some help as well. So that was one of the first initiatives that we kind of pushed forward, like bringing everybody up to speed, making sure everybody's on the same level business-wise. Because some of us are not, you know. Some of us, we, we, know, we know Cannabis Business 101, Right, there was some well cannabis business five hundred one. Probably, I mean, <laughs> right. really, you guys are advanced at certain aspects of the cannabis plant. Oh, no doubt. absolutely, absolutely. As as is other, uh, you know, other people who are in the space as well. I mean, you know, there's some some folks out there, really, really operating some, g- doing really good business. You know what I mean? But when it comes to the other side, they're a little uh, uh, a little lacking. So that was the, the uh, purpose of, of pushing that. But I have to also, if you don't mind, give a big shout out to our mayor. Word. I mean, yo, our mayor is on top of it. Where other, other uh, counties or other different parts of New York, not even talking about it, our mayor took the time out to develop a cannabis readiness committee. I think that's awesome. I couldn't agree more. I'm really impressed by Malik Evans in this short time he has been a leader here in Rochester already. He looks like he really wants to tackle the real issues of the city of Rochester, number one. He's put his own money Mm -hmm. on the line in some cases. Mm -hmm. I believe there was a 14-year-old boy who got shot a couple weeks ago, and he put $1,000 of his own money down to the tip line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is a guy who understands what's happening on the city streets here and, and, and a change, but he also sees that the cannabis culture is a big piece of Rochester. Mm-hmm. Uh, always has been. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been telling people many times, um, I'm a 30-some-odd user, 32, 33-year user of cannabis here in Rochester, mm-hmm. and I know there's a big community here, and there always has been. Um, and generally speaking, they're some of the best people in Rochester that are in this cannabis, com- oh, um, yeah. can- cannabis community. So now we all get to put our heads together to say, how can we now play within whatever rules the state puts down there for us, which, mm-hmm. as you and I have talked about regularly, this seems to be the biggest challenge, and it's also the biggest challenge we heard at the Reverie, if I'm not yes, mistaken. absolutely. What, what we're trying to also do is that um, we're just trying to get information to as many people as possible and try to organize people and to get them, get them at a point where 
You know, they can do business, continue to do business, but do business on an entirely different and level. And get them quality information that they don't have to sift through for like days or hours. So we're trying to synthesize it all into as simple a package as possible that like everyone can understand and comply with. Mm-hmm. And recently we heard, and I think it falls into this, and I just want to mention is the Monroe County Library System, right? Oh my goodness, phenomenal. Love them so much. <sighs> phenomenal. So Zach Sarkis, I've had him on my podcast previously. You guys can go look at past episodes of Zach Sarkis, uh, who has started the nonprofit Hemp Lab, which had nothing to do with his personal businesses, but he wanted to create a nonprofit that helped people out uh, across Rochester get ready for this cannabis game. And he was able to through his content he's created over the last two years, mm. tie in with the Monroe County Library System and creating a true incubator program. Uh, and Jeffrey and I and Move all heard um, two representatives from the library last week at a meeting, mm-hmm. and they basically have said that you need trademark, patent information, you need uh, how to write a business plan, you want the basics of cannabis. I got to tell you right now, I can't believe a librarian mm-hmm. is studying what's needed to be a licensee in New York State here in, in in Rochester, and I don't know another library system in the state that's that's providing this for people. It's yeah, insane. It's man. insanity. I, I tell you, it's insane. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing that they're doing. Uh, we actually met. I don't know what Jennifer's last name, but I got to give her a little shout out as well. She's the uh, one of the librarians that work uh, work that we're working with right now, and. Uh, I mean, she literally, she literally makes home visits. When I say home visits, uh, we we Jennifer we have, Burns, by the Jennifer way, Jennifer Burns, yep. yeah. yes, special woman, special woman, very patient. Will work with you. Um, she's, I mean, the things that that are coming from that library now, and some of the work that she's doing is just phenomenal, man. Like, you would have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars to get the work done that they're doing when it comes to trademarks uh they have lawyers available um you name it move for some of the other things that that she's brought to us um like how to form your own like limited liability corporation um how to actually do your books properly and like pay your taxes Mm because the tax code is going to be completely insane do you even pay federal taxes on a cannabis business? I don't even <laughs> fully understand that. <laughs> so actually, that's 280E. We've talked about it on this podcast several times okay. before, but 280E okay. means you can't write off anything towards your operation, right? So mm, yeah. if, if I have a CBD license, so I'm a part of a CBD license processing company here in word, word, word. New York yeah, State, yeah, yeah. Right? right? I can buy ethanol extraction equipment now and have it as a tax write-off, right? Yeah. But if I buy that, the minute I have my THC license, mm-hmm. I cannot write off one penny of that equipment. Wow. Yeah, but I mean, so like, you have to get it before you have your license. To, in order to and then how it. many people are really going to do that before they know they have that license or in do hand? You, yeah. Do yeah. you like, uh, but like in terms of like actually how many, how much, how many, how much taxes, how much tax you have to pay? Like, is that just calculated like a normal business of mm-hmm. the same size? Okay. Correct. You just yep. can't write Based on gross in your net. Okay, yeah. word. Yeah, that's fine. Yep. I was just curious. Yeah. No, it's a great question because yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. many people are asking this, and it's and on the other side of that coin, what are THC businesses doing for banking in other states? Mm-hmm. 
hear that armored truck story where like people were like literally sending like armored trucks of cash to Washington because that's where they found a bank to work with? <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. I met a woman at the Reverie right. who works with banks and she had a bank that she works out of out of Colorado that will, mm -hmm. but no federally insured bank will take really cannabis uh, THC money. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, so. New York State has recognized this, I got to say. They've actually researched this, uh, and they announced in the last couple of weeks a $200 million fund mm. to help out social equity applicants. And Jeffrey was earlier um, naming what the conditions are for social equity applicants. Mm -hmm. I'll just repeat it one more time sure, sure. for anybody that was confused. Um, dis disadvantaged farmers. Mm -hmm. Disabled veterans, mm -hmm. people that were ticketed for the, against in the marijuana ind industry in the past, um, so for sales, distribution, usage, or growing, um, and then you have um, people of color, black, Hispanics, um, women. Um, those are those are your 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 social equity, and mm -hmm. the goal is to have fifty one percent of all licensees to be social equity. Right. But what we learned is, and, and I know Jeffrey's heard me say this 10 times in Move mm -hmm. 2, but I have to say this because I haven't said it on the podcast mm -hmm. yet. Mm -hmm. The biggest issue really is that social equity people in other states has happened to, so I'm just going to relate it, that we heard many stories of the Reverie you All can validate, <laughs> right? We heard a transportation license story. We heard a beverage maker story. Right. We heard a grower story. We heard a processor story. But all of them had similar elements to those stories. What were those elements? They got their operations running. Mm -hmm. yeah. They had money to get started. They were good and running for 12 months, 18 months. Mm -hmm. And then they had a bad crop or something happened or mm -hmm. they realized they needed to invest more into making a certain product like mm -hmm. the beverage maker. Right. Or the, trans the girl who had the transportation company wanted to grow more to, to, to increase her profit margin, mm -hmm. right? Because she was only... And then she ended up getting... Uh, two people that one person that took her over another company took that company over and now she went from being the full owner of this company to having a 3% share right. and now she's praying that company gets sold so she can get some of her original money she put in predatory lending predatory right. lending that is exactly right so this is what we are worried about in New York State so the state itself understands us and this is why I want to make sure Jeffrey you can please back me up as a mm -hmm. legacy legacy person in the state, they were asking questions where they didn't care what your background was. They didn't mm -hmm. care if you grew weed, sold weed, you were on the corner selling dime bags for the last 10 years. They didn't care about any of that in that room. Right. They wanted to know your story and how your story can help them write this legislation properly. Please validate that. <laughs> when you turn, talking about right, the reverie, the, the, yeah. the reverie. Yeah. With, so we had Axel was there and we had Jen Metzger and Ruben was there and we had the head of the OCM and they all were paying that same message, right? right. They understand the challenges. L let me understand your question. You mean, uh, pose that question to me again, because I'm not quite understanding. You're good. So you see the same challenge of money and predatory lending and the legacy Yes. At the rubber yet you saw that same challenge. What's your take and I your I think on it? um I think it's gonna happen. I mean when I say I think it's gonna happen, I think New York State is a huge, huge market. Huge market. I mean, we, we might not be the biggest state, but we are a huge market. And the consumption of cannabis <laughs> Uh, just within this state is insane. Yeah, you know what I mean? is it like five to ten percent of the cannabis consumed in New York City is grown in state? So mm -hmm. there's a huge deficit we have to make up for the legal market. Right, uh, Brian. To be honest, they're coming. The lenders and and all the bad practices they are coming. You know I mean so we're going to have to accept the good with the bad. I just advise people to please be careful. 
make sure you uh, you have contracts. Make sure you have a lawyer. Uh, especially if you're here in Rochester, New York, there's no reason why you should not have a lawyer. I mean, you can basically, like we were talking about, uh, the library services that they provide, easily take a contract to some to one of the lawyers there, and they'll look over that with a fine tooth comb. So, I mean, um, again, great, great, great time to be a resident of Rochester, New York. <laughs> so the gray market. Let's talk about the gray market a little mm-hmm. bit. Sure. Um, the state of the state address that um, our new governor uh, a couple weeks ago basically said she wasn't going to, she, they're not going to follow anything, prostitution, weed, mm-hmm. they're not going to be doing anything criminally, right? Mm-hmm. They're waiting for this legislation to be written. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been kind of telling people, hey, you're out in this gray area now. Mm-hmm. You're not worried about getting busted. Mm-hmm. Go out and make as much money as you can in this market right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Go take advantage of the fact that the state's going to kind of close their eyes for a couple months till these regs are written. Yep. Mm-hmm. You guys have heard the same thing. I've heard the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a, I think it's a great suggestion. I mean, like, if, if we're giving a year to six months, there's a lot to can that can happen. You know what I mean? And uh, we're not quite sure about what the fees are going to be for these licenses. But as I tell everybody, hey, if you got time to hustle, make money, save money, and just be prepared. You yeah. know, don't go out and buy the new Lambo. Don't go buy new new cars or anything like that. Just, you know, save your money yeah, because... Get some nice, legit money that yeah. the state can track mm-hmm. to get your business on track or, uh, yeah. it's a great point, young man. Yeah, absolutely. All right, now we're going to dig in. So we, we've talked <laughs> about the rivalry. We're, we're going to get back to talk about the cannabis, but now we're going to mm-hmm. introduce these two men to you guys a little bit more. Folks. So <laughs> so uh, Jeffrey's an old man. He's got a lot of kids. This, kid, this guy, I don't <laughs> think he stopped uh, I got to a whole lot of cannabis, brother. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so Jeffrey, um, you are the younger, one of the youngest looking 56-year-olds that I Thank know. Thank you, brother. Um, um, yeah, he's got the energy, this dude. Uh, you know, I'm a 49-year-old that I, I feel like I have a lot more energy than most people. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey's right there with me, and I hey, and I like you, seeing guys like that. So it's, it's our lifestyle, Brian. So Jeffrey, uh, tell me, born and raised in, in New York. Give me, uh, give me the life story of Man. Jeffrey, and please do not short arm it. We want to really hear everything about you because I don't know if you guys have heard. He's got that Barry White voice. Nah. Jeffrey is mellow. Like this is him. Like the, the Jeffrey does not get un, unhinged very easily from what I've seen already out of He's him. Making me look real good. How yeah. much I owe you for that? Nothing. Man. <laughs> so please tell people like where you were born. Like, like your parents, give us a little bit of your background. Like what made you Jeffrey? What made me Jeffrey? Yeah, and then mm. we'll get to your family. But what made okay. you Jeffrey? What made me Jeffrey? I'm um, I'm originally like raised, born in Harlem, New York. That's uh, where I reside. I say that with a great deal of pride because I, I mean, I've been here in Rochester for like what, 20 years now. But um, anybody ask me where I'm from, I always say, uh, you know, Harlem. You know. That's where I'm from. That's where I'm born and raised, and that's what my upbringing uh, is all about, you know. Rucker Park? Rucker Park, basketball game on on the summertime, brother. How far did you live from Rucker Park? I just need to know. Ten blocks. Ten blocks. I want to play in Rucker Park so bad. Yeah, I used to to walk there from, from my house, you know. But um, like I said, Jeffrey's man, too short to be a basketball player. For <laughs> I could point do a little guard, I don't know, maybe a point guard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, point guard. There you go. All right. Mm-hmm. So I'm originally from Harlem, man, and uh, I found my way to Rochester uh, just for the purpose of purchasing property. You know what I mean? Like buying homes. I always wanted to be a homeowner, and I found Rochester, New York, very affordable. 
And I actually came up here and started buying some houses, man. You know what I mean? And told all my friends, all my family. And one by one, they came up behind me and either bought a house or moved up here. So I probably got about maybe 30 members of my family right here in Rochester. This is from someone who never came upstate a day in my life until I, until I came up here looking for houses. So uh, two parents, were you raised in a normal setting? My, my you weren't a traveling military kid or anything, no, were you? No, no, no military, just my mom, and I have a twin brother. Um, and then other than that, uh, I have uh, I have children. I have three. Well, hold on, hold on. Where are you jumping? Don't, don't get up <laughs> to children yet, boy. Come on. What about so, the music career? Wait, wait. Yeah, we'll get to that, too. Uh, first of all, twins. Yeah. Everybody in this podcast already knows I have an affinity for twins, okay. and I've had a lot of twins so, in my so life. So you're going to so really like Jeffrey's got another twin, so come yeah. on. Yeah, give me a twin story. I have story. a twin, and I am the uh, proud father of twin sons as well. So I have, I have uh, two twins. They're named two twins. I only have one set of twins. Right? <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> right? uh, their names are Tamu. And Haru Medford, and those are my sons. They're also into music and, um, you know, kind of dib and dab in the, in the other spaces a little bit, you know. <laughs> they have no choice. Now, does your twin brother have a family as well? He does. He does. He, uh, he's been in Rochester for about 10 years. He came up here uh, kind of with me. No, nah, nah, I came up here before him, yeah. But he, he actually resided here for about 10 years, and he just recently moved to New Orleans. So we stay connected, and uh, he helps me with the uh, promotional part of my business. So if you ever see any Green Lounge shirts or hats or any apparel, um, he's, he's in charge of my merch. He does all my merchandise. Oh, perfect. Know? Yeah. Give so me a twin story. A twin story. I love, How far I, you want to go back? Anything. Just give me somewhere. Because I'm a firm believer, and, I, and I've told people on the podcast already, there's something special about twins. Okay. Well, I don't know about how special twins are. For instance, uh, I dated I a girl one time. Uh, she was a twin, and she felt her sister's water break. Oh, okay. So her sister was or... pregnant, and she actually called her sister and said, wow. your water just broke. Like, okay. she knew. So that's okay. so these well, are the kind of things I like. So give me a little I twin. Do, I got to do a little, I know you do. thing like that. Everybody you know, does. It seems as though any time uh, I lost a tooth or my brother lost a tooth, we, we kind of came right right behind each other. It's like, you know, I put a, a tooth underneath the bed for the, for the uh, tooth fairy. You know, my brother was right behind me doing the same thing. Maybe he wanted to make some money too, huh? Well, that could be it, but no, that that would make sense, right? Yeah, like if you yeah, guys are born yeah. at the same time, your teeth should fall mm -hmm. out. That would make see the mm -hmm. little things about twins yep, people yep, don't yep. get. Now, um, did that help you socially or hurt you socially being brought up with a twin? Uh, I I always look at it as an advantage. Yeah, you know what I mean. Always as an advantage. Uh, I, I've met so many people in life, and not so much because uh, we did business or went to school, uh, but. My brother's friends are my friends, and a lot of times people that know him um, call me by his name. So I, I've always answered to both names. His name is Daryl, and my name is Jeffrey, of course. And so I've always looked at it as a blessing, you know what I mean? And culturally, um, being very in touch with my African tradition, anytime there's a twin born within an African tribe, that's always a good thing, brother. It means good luck for that whole entire tribe. So, And you have multiple sets, so you guys are, no wonder you guys are so blessed. Yes, yes. And then my brother has a son who also has twins as well. So it seems to be a part of our, our bloodline. It didn't even skip a generation like it's supposed to. Well, it didn't skip a generation in my, uh, uh, on my side, but with my brother, 
uh, he didn't have twins, but his son has twins. So it's pretty, mm. pretty dominant in our family, I guess. I love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And what's your twin story? Oh, I got plenty of them. I got, <laughs> I got twin uncles that uh, I've been around my whole life that are 12 wow. years younger than me that, uh, you know, I still drive one of them to work every day. Are you a twin? No, I'm not a twin. Okay. Um, but um, I have, two, like I said, twin uncles, twin cousins, mm-hmm. and I've dated four women that were twins. Oh, my goodness. And did you date both of them, Brian? No, or just no never. Never did any of that nonsense. Oh, you didn't like play, right play those yeah. tricks? No, it's, it's really crazy how <laughs> twins have come to my life to the point where I'm kind of starting a book about twins because mm. it's been oh. so prevalent in my life. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Be, being a twin has been a, a, a really good thing for me because I, I remember uh, when I was in elementary school uh, taking a test and my brother wasn't there that day. You know what I mean? So when they came in the next day, they asked him, to take the test so we simply just went into the bathroom kind of changed clothes and I took the test for him so he got, he actually got a better mark than me of course of that, course that would make did. sense right yeah you better do it better the second time <laughs> sounds oh, like a cartoon yeah. situation that's one of those that. twin things you know mm-hmm. that's, see that's the kind of stuff I love because that's, that's the playful stuff yep. and um, then, yeah so it, it's now you said you're musically creative is that him or is he a different set because I'm always curious that right left that's brain something stuff we've always done uh, throughout our lives we were um, members of the boys choir of Harlem we always sang in the glee club at school and uh, when we were both very active in the church we were always part of the church choir and um, and like I said we did sing in the boys choir of Harlem too so that was a really big part of our life traveling around with them and then that's, that's a that's a popular choir, right? That's oh, that, yeah. yeah, like that. You guys, uh, world tell me now. a little bit about that experience. Yeah, um, I remember the director. His name was uh, Walter Turnbull, and we started uh, when we were in elementary school. And uh, it's a great organization to be a part of at that time. It's so kind of sad that they don't have all the social programs that they had when I was a kid. I mean, you can be Word. in. A, I was in the cadet corps and the boys club and did karate and those things. I don't know, just don't seem as prevalent as they were. That's a fucking we fact. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. I, I th- it, in Rochester specific, I think maybe some parents just before COVID were mm-hmm. going a little crazy trying to get their kids into everything, right? right. So, um, for instance, when I was growing up, I could play three different sports, right? Mm-hmm. But now, when my son was going to school. His soccer coach was, his soccer coach was good, right? But mm-hmm. some soccer coaches were like, no, you're soccer only. Like, you're not mm. doing soccer lacrosse. Like, if there's a tournament the same weekend, you got to pick me or else you're going to sit the bench the next weekend, wow. right? right? So right. I see where actually, I see where they're um, in the city, maybe that would be harder to find. Here mm-hmm. in Rochester, I think there's a lot of things for kids, but I almost feel like parents here in Rochester a lot felt like, oh my God, I got to get my kids in everything. Mm. So the point where they got so busy, mm-hmm. I almost think COVID, that's maybe one of the good things that happened out of COVID is mm-hmm. everybody's relaxed now. Nobody's in the rat race anymore. Right, right. Like I don't see parents, like even my cousin who has four daughters, mm-hmm. he's not in the rat race like he was because they've mm-hmm. peeled back, right? They realize you don't have to do everything. Right. Um, so I've seen a little bit of that, but I also hear what you're saying yeah. is that when we were growing up, we didn't have a lot of the opportunities for us, right. I don't think, yeah. as much as maybe right now but it's almost pushed to people poorly mm. if that's making because we need yeah. to be well-rounded right oh absolutely it's tough to you're gonna do this one thing for your whole life as a kid right. and then when you get to adult you're so burned out and sick of it you don't do it and now you don't have a skill set of anything else yeah. I, I think growing up in new york city in the 70s and 80s though was, was really really different but in a in, in a good way you know what i mean like 
so many different programs, so many things to, to kind of keep kids off the street and keep them positive. If your mom wasn't home after school, you knew you could go to the Boys and Girls Club, right? Or for us, it was a YMCA, or yeah. I had the, uh, in the summertime, we had Lakeshore Playground mm-hmm. by us, right? We always had places we'd go socialize with other kids and stuff. I think that's a little harder now. I agree with you. It's way um, harder. Yeah, probably so now. Yeah, yeah probably so Too now. bad. A lot of programs, though. You know. yeah, move move even, at 26 probably would be a good perspective Yeah, even, like, pre-COVID, uh, there's just nothing for, like... Like, once you're, like, a like a little kid, like, 6 to 8, there's, like, tons of stuff to do. But as soon as you become a teenager, it's, like, the city social system just doesn't want to deal with you. So you're just, like, hanging out in parks, like, drinking 40s with the boys instead <laughs> of, like, I don't know, doing something productive and, like, learning a skill or whatever. Mm-hmm. The only reason I didn't really fall into the, like, bullying life in parks and stuff is uh, I had, like, uh, longboarding, which gave me a bit of a structure and, like, a community to consistently come back to. Mm. But that was a thing we had to, like, create on our own. It wasn't something that was, like, provided for us. Mm-hmm. Great point. Yeah. They actually had to create it for themselves, but mm-hmm. you and I always had places we could default to. Absolutely. That's the biggest thing between yeah, these two absolutely. generations, absolutely. I think. Yeah. Music has always been a pretty much so a big part of uh, my entire family's life, even down to my father, who was uh, a tap dancer, you know what I mean? And he used to uh, dance at the Apollo. He's actually the original Sandman. No way. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yep. Original yep. Sandman, huh? Yeah, man. He was a hoofer. He was a tap dancer. So the music is in our blood, and it seems to be in the blood of our children and our my nieces and nephews, everyone's either into dance or music. We are, we are a very artsy family. You, know? you can see it in your style. Oh, thank you, brother. Um, <laughs> and I know you have an open mic night at the lounge as well, we right? That kind, of, that kind of goes along with this as well, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We have an open mic that takes place on Friday. Can I Fridays at like 8, 8 mm-hmm. p.m., yeah. Yeah. Fridays at 8 p.m. at the lounge. Right. Yeah. And we also do a karaoke night. What's the Instagram handle again, sir? Uh, the Instagram handle is at the Green Lounge ROC. Mm-hmm. Thank is it you. At or just the Green Lounge? Well, I mean, all Instagram handles have an at before them. Got you, brother. Yeah. He's, He's educating me us. something. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> I knew he or, would be. Or you can reach us at uh, Puff Puff Pass at ROC. Puff Puff Pass ROC. Right. Yep. That's Jeffrey's. That's, That's Jeffrey's my, personal page. That's yeah. my personal page. No. So <laughs> let's talk about some music some more because I, yeah. I, I'm, uh, my family can't sing. Mm-hmm. We don't play an instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, I told the story that one time uh, my grandmother played the guitar, the slide guitar. Right. And um, she was very good at it as a kid, mm-hmm. but she hated it so much because mm-hmm. she wanted to go dancing. Mm-hmm. So the minute she was done with lessons, she went to my grandmother. And my grandmother says, hey, the, your teacher thinks you were really good, like you should take this on. Right. And she goes, mom, I finished all my lessons. Am I done? She went out in the garage and smashed it. And oh, nobody my Nobody in our family are musicians, and I kind of think <laughs> it stems from that moment with my grandmother, <laughs> right? right? genetic right, memory. Right. But <laughs> we are all dancers. Okay. Right? Like right, you go to a right. family wedding and the, the Smith family is we're up All there the before floor. the buffet tables are mm. off we're already there dancing that's what's right? up right yeah. so yeah. so i appreciate music in a different way but yeah. i appreciate the way you have mm-hmm. as being musicians and have you are you a songwriter as well and can you read music and all of that you know i went to music and art high school so i learned how to to read music and i did a lot of um more or less opera like singing that's what you, you know you have to be trained in this classical thing but um you know, the the music has always been there. And, uh, 
you know, even as teenagers, uh, my twin brother and I, we formed a group, two-man group called Twice. And we've recorded with, I mean, some really wonderful people like uh, uh, Angie Stone. Um, my goodness, some of the other artists we've kind of hung out with and just been Now, is there any place social. people can find your music that you've created? <clears throat> well, we have some music on... on uh, yeah, he showed us a, a, a YouTube video on YouTube, of him yeah. performing on what show was it? Uh, we performed on the United Cerebral Palsy Telethon, and we also performed on the Mickey Mouse Club show out in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> that was I was not expecting was that. Yeah, 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 it's crazy, man. But we, we, we went out and did that. That was a lot of fun, too. You know I mean, to be able to have that much exposure uh, at a very young point now. Our careers was really nice. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm trying to get my sons to have that same energy. And they are much more talented than my brother and I. But they uh, they just don't have that same drive that we have. You know what I mean? So. That's, uh, that's <laughs> what I noticed most difference between Moof's generation and ours. Right, right, right. Like we're hustlers. And, that's, and, and Moof doesn't fall into this. So I'm not classifying Moof and generalizing hey. him at all because right. he's a hustler. Okay. But like <laughs> there's a lot of people in his generation mm -hmm. that you say, hey, you got a second job? And they look at you like, what? Right, right. One job is all I need. But back in the day, I had two, three until I was, I think, 30. I had but three jobs. Same thing here. I mean, like, you, you know, you got kids. You still got you, you to gotta do the music. And uh, or if you want to do the music, you still got to take care of your family. You know what I mean? And... Uh, as far as my own personal life, I started out being a father at about 23 years old. So, you know, you know, even my kids ask me now, like, Dad, oh, we love what you guys did. And wow, like, what happened? Like, you guys are so good. What happened? Why you didn't make it? I'm like, you, you kids. <laughs> kids. And, and they're talking about you and your ex-wife, right? Is that yeah, what they're talking yeah, about? I yeah, mean, that's a fair know, point, right? Because you were going so crazy and you didn't have time for you and her because how many kids did you have? Well, I didn't have that many kids then, Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps going to that question. He's trying to get that out I of am, me. man. Like, you're like a factory. You Concrete he, he's he's kind of asked that two. question in two, three different type of ways. Yep. <laughs> I, have, I have six sons, three daughters, and seven grandchildren, and I say that with a a, a, a loving. <laughs> I say that with a loving sense of pride, man. I, I've met I love four of his kids. Uh, kids at this point, and they are mm -hmm. all just the sweetest, nicest. Thank you, my brother. Yeah, just very, very yeah, welcoming individuals. Thank you, thank you. What'd you say, Move? Uh, I love your kids. Your kids are great. Oh, thank you, brother. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it nice? Um, I, I've been telling people lately, my son just graduated from UB. Oh, nice. Uh, with Congratulations. A, uh, and I, I want to put this plug out there because he's been on the podcast. Okay. Uh, a psychology degree and a finance nice. degree from UB. Wow. He's got a job he's starting um, right now. As a matter of fact, he's going to go through the last of his training. Um, mm. I'm very proud of him. Hard yes. worker. He's always put all the effort into it. Yes. Um, but, but I tell people it's nice. To, so my daughter's a teacher. She's had two kids. So I have two grandkids. Beautiful. It is great not to worry about my kids. Yes on a daily basis financially or the fact that they are they will make decisions that I wouldn't sponsor mm. or co-sponsor I guess is a better mm. way to put it mm -hmm. um but at the end of the day I trust that both of them whatever decision they make whether I'm around their mothers around or anything mm -hmm. I believe in my heart they're make going to make the right decision oh yeah um and you know having Let's see, 15 kids? Oh, no, nine. <laughs> nine kids. <laughs> yeah, you, you um, know, I done went up from nine to, to 15. Yeah, okay. I'll take I'll, so I'll 30 take next time. Yeah, oh, of course. <laughs> it'll be 50. Um, so your nine kids, I mean, 
it is nice to have nine children and really you don't have that stress on your face about your children. Well, I see that. I, listen, most of my children are all adults. Uh, I have one that's under the age of 10 and everybody else are all adults. When I say adults past the age of 21 or at least 18, right? Yeah, man. And they're, uh, they're all hard workers. I think they've gotten that naturally and I'm proud of them. And I think uh, in some ways they're quite proud of me. So uh, it certainly shows. Yeah, thank you, brother. They're it, winners. Isn't it nice to to continue to have relationships with your kids into adulthoods where yeah. you like they're adult and you're an adult? Mm -hmm. It's not like you're still like child kid relationship. It's like you're yeah. just adults all doing it together now, Absolutely. right? And that's how it is with my kids. Where sometimes with my dad, I always felt there was still that dad. Mm -hmm. son relationship mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. not that and with my son i can see already that him and i it's a little different right, right. i love my relationship with my father he's a great man right. but i kind of like it where i feel like i'm i'm actually on the same page with my son yeah like i i feel like i could say something to my son and get advice from him and listen to it and same here i, I you're absolutely right I don't know. What, what, what can we attribute that to? <laughs> he told me yesterday on the phone it, it was me and his mother. Right. Um, Beautiful. I don't know if that's the case or not. I think there's a lot more people involved because we were all about the village raises the children, right? Right. Mm -hmm. right. So, yes, sure. yes, so yes. my, my ex-wife and I were split, but we, had, we both were very involved in our children together. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we had her parents and my parents that were involved. And that all together made it so, you know, my kids appreciate all their grandkids. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, or, I will say that. And I'll give my I'll give my children a big a big shout out with regard to that. I think they are, oh man, they they are. I'd like to say most of them are chip off the old blocks. You know what I mean? Like they have a great sense of appreciation and a great sense of gratitude. And um, you know, it's so funny. Just you know, my son Haru, he's one of the twins. He just called me like. Maybe like last week and just out of the blue and say, hey, dad, I just want to call you and say thank you for the lessons in life and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I had to sit there and just listen to that for a while. I'm like, wow, okay. It's a good feeling, Brian. It's <laughs> nice when you can hear something from your kids yeah. that, that you know um, wasn't forced. Right. Right. And Absolutely. it's just coming from a place of a good place yeah. from the heart, right? Pla That's, place of love, place of gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I envy you, and, and I, I can tell you there's many people out in life that worry about their kids and mm. don't have the, the no stress like we do. So, I think as a parent, though, you know, as a father, for me as a father, I, I still worry about them. I mean, they're out in these streets mm. and, you know, you know, just living life. So I still worry about them a little bit, but I think they have good heads on their shoulders. So I think they can pretty much so navigate through anything that befalls them. Um, so on the music, because I want to get Moves background story here in sure. a second, but let's talk about your music a little bit more now. Um, you can play any instrument, it sounds like, or what, what's, um, your, what's your go-tos? I My go-to is percussion. So I love drums. Um, right now I, I do a lot of uh, drum playing, African drum playing. I own the djembe, and we have a... A drum circle. A drum circle. On Wednesdays. Actually, today. Yeah, yeah same day today. we're filming Brian, this. you're pretty good at this. <laughs> I told you I listened to one of these. I, I came prepared. You should have listened to. Yeah, me. yeah, Brian, you're pretty good at this. You know how to segue into this thing real good. <laughs> couple times, I've done a couple uh, of these. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So yes, I, I actually was, uh, and I just want to put this out there for people that I am an amateur 
amateur drummer. Like, oh, really? amateur. Cool, 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 cool. Um, and I went to their drum circle mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, I went in there not wanting to drum once. I was just going to listen and hang out. <laughs> um, I brought. I think I tried four or five different drums that night. And uh-huh. while I know for a fact I was not even close to being a good drummer around that circle. Oh, brother, I heard you drum. You can drum. No, you got some rhythm. Nobody, nobody looked at me any differently, whether I was out of rhythm, in rhythm. You but, got rhythm. Yeah, baby. a little bit. You I got, got a little bit. All dancers got rhythm. You were on the beat. A little That's bit, right. yeah. Um, you know, but I'm a, I'm also a drummer of my own beat usually. So, yeah. um, but I just want to put it out there for people that, for anybody that has an experience a drum circle or understands, explain to people what a drum circle really is because it's not just well, banging on drums, right? It's it's bigger than that. Well, you know, we actually started out. We actually start out, I, and I'm going to go ahead and shout out my buddy Mark Cole because Mark was the first one to invite me to a drum circle, and that took place at Genesee Valley Park every Wednesday. And of course, throughout the years, I've been going to these drum circles, and when it comes wintertime, we just shut down. We don't see each other the entire winter. No one drums. So I just thought, you know, it'd be a wonderful idea since we have this space um, that we operate out of that we just bring it indoor. And that's what we do, and we probably get any place from maybe 20... 20 to 40 people? Yeah, on, on a Wednesday. And it is a no-judgment zone. It is positive energy. Absolutely. There is definitely a good vibe in the air, both with the smoke and yeah. with the, <laughs> I wasn't and sure with the conversation. Yeah, uh, I wasn't sure. Can we say that we smoke at the drum circle? Heck yeah. Listen, yeah. listen. I'm, Cannabis. All right, everybody, you guys all know where I believe with this podcast. <laughs> this kid, Jeffrey, over here still is paranoid. Like, we don't, we're not going to talk <laughs> about things openly. for us all. <laughs> <laughs> listen, Brother, this is the we, first episode. Hey, Justin, I did not get high before this episode, well, and that was my miss. So I'm sorry, Justin. I'll be back on my well, game next time. Well, but. <laughs> I did ask could we spoke before the interview, but we, we were going to be super respectful of Justin's uh Beautiful space. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to smell like cannabis. Yeah, as soon as I came down here, I said, I can't even ask him to smoke down here. It's too beautiful down here. But we blaze a new trail. Brother, you come there on Wednesdays, two things you can get. Some good drumming and some good weed. And good conversation. And good I'm going to tell you all that yeah, right now. There's uh, nothing but good people there. I yeah. I smiled my face off. So Yeah, um, we have a good time. Yeah, I'll be back for another Wednesday drum circle. Beautiful. The camaraderie amongst friends, family, and just people who are there is second to none. You can come. You can drum. If you don't feel like drumming, you just want to hang out and just vibe. You can just hang out and vibe, man. You know what I mean? And the space, well, maybe I should let someone else talk about the space. But I, I really love the decoration and, and the chill vibe within the space. And you have a stage at the at the location as well? Yes, yes, we do. We have a stage, and on that stage, we have some live music every Saturday morning. And that usually takes place about 12 o'clock. So we have a public market, and we, we call it the Green Market at the Green Lounge. And... Um, this is a brilliant idea, by the way. So please, um, whose idea was this? And then move a little bit about um, uh, how you think it can maybe, because the public market closes in the wintertime, right? So you yeah. have all those people on Saturdays that are always going out to the public market. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You guys are kind of creating a cannabis public market. Exactly. Right. Right? Yeah. So, so between the two of you guys, tell me a little bit about who came up with the idea and and really what kind of vendors are going to be there and what will people expect to go to it? Or, you want to yeah, so um, as for the idea, it was kind of a collective of the four of us that kind of run the operations behind uh, Flower City Farms and the Green Lounge. We were all like, we need a space to just have um, a consistent, a consi- we, sorry, we need a consistent space that isn't a pop-up for cannabis vendors to appear at. 
So uh, consumers can have an expectation of service and not be like chasing a specific person all around the state like, to various shows or whatever. Right. So, so what's happening in your state, for those who don't know, is there's pop-up um, events that go on. Um, right. They're put on, there's, I think there's three or four people around Rochester that are putting them on right now. The, there's a large one December 18th at the Armory, and mm-hmm. I believe there's another large one going on April 20th. Mm. I'm not sure of the location yet. Um, but then there's these smaller um, venues that pop up on weekends where you right. could go to an Instagram account and kind of follow it, and then they'll right. tell you the or, day before what time mm-hmm. it is and where it's mm-hmm. at. Mm-hmm. Right. There's usually a charge to go into it, right. yep. and then you'll have um, 20 to 50 vendors, depending on the size of these smaller pop-ups. Yeah, um, and then you, so you'll pay a cover charge to get in and then you'll be paying for whatever, uh, the people mm-hmm. are supplying, uh, or donating to whoever's going to be supplying, uh, yeah. the cannabis. Great use of that English language. Yeah. Yes. Right. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> donations only. Donations only. That's correct for these pop-ups to be legal, um, within the New York state regulations. Um, right. so uh, a lot of times these pop-ups are, there's mixed, uh, reviews about them across the state, right? Yeah, right. Uh, one sure. of the things is um, not all the products maybe in these pop-ups, uh, you know exactly what the milligram doses are mm-hmm. in them, mm-hmm. uh, but yet this is an opportunity for legacy people to get out and get their strains out there, their right. flower yeah, out there to right. people who who want it, right? They don't well, want to go anymore and have their guy giving dime bags on the corner, whatever they right. want to go and mm-hmm. find good. So there's so great things with these pop-ups, but yours isn't really a pop-up. Explain how it's different and better. Right. Well, one of the things that MOOF uh, uh, spoke about and says that we like to create a place whereby farmers and anyone who is in the cannabis space can bring their goods to market. No different than if we were growing tomatoes or Yeah, like or a cabbage. farmer's market. We wanted to make a, a, yeah. a farmer's market. And we want this farmer's market to be consistent for people who are growing as well as you know, any other things that they might be selling related to the cannabis space. Um, a lot of times when you go to these pop-ups, you go, someone sees you, they buy something from you, they love it, but they don't know where to find you again. Where are you? Where, 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 do they have to go to every pop-up? Or or if you only pop-ups? have an Instagram account, um, mm-hmm. how are they going to find it? Can they communicate to you? Can they come to your house to get it? You're right. absolutely right. There's no you venue for these places. In the meantime, you never know, yeah. Right. So we try to create a market whereby they can they the the uh, the people who are selling constantly have a place to go and to get rid of their their uh, yeah their so products. Sellers and consumers both have a consistent place to exchange goods and cash. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or, or to make donations towards people that are that are uh, propagating the industry. Yeah, yeah. Of, donations of this plant. to the legacy Absolutely. market. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um, so, what type of vendors uh, do you guys have at the events on Saturdays? Ooh, just so people. Man, know. listen, we have oh, all boy. type of vendors. We yeah, yeah, yeah. we we have just flower vendors. We have um, concentrate vendors. We have vendors that don't have anything to do with the cannabis space. Like we have. Uh, There's a t-shirt, dude. T-shirts cool. and t-shirt. tapestries and uh, tie dyes. And some people come and just sell um, edibles as well. You know what I mean? So we have delicious, delicious edibles. Oh my God, they're so good. <laughs> and I had a massage. Oh, that yes, put me. Uh, so I'm going to tell you guys right now yeah. I had a massage at Jeffrey's place last Saturday. 
that put me in a trance <laughs> where two people came around me and kind of were wondering, are you okay, Brian? Because yeah. I was out, like, it was almost like a little meditative trance that oh she put goodness. me into. Brian, you look like you were on another plane after you got finished, man. I, I was, uh, I told people, uh, my stress has been peeling off of me like an onion lately. <laughs> and I think that was that last layer that day mm-hmm. because I went home and I couldn't move from my couch. And I, everybody knows I'm wow. that guy who doesn't sit very much. Right, right I couldn't right. move my legs off my couch Saturday night. Wow. And it That's was a nice. direct result of that massage. Beautiful. So, so Beautiful. nobody would even think of there will be a masseuse. A, a massage. Yeah. Yeah, that was Zuma. Who, yes, who, yep. uh, Thank you for th- that. That was her first week actually coming in. And I think the next time we'll have her there, she'll be doing foot detox. Can you imagine that? Yeah. That's going to be awesome. And you had a uh, glass blower there. Yes. Yes. Really yeah. cool designing glass. I love her Wonderful style. pieces. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then yep. you had a juice um, individual uh, beverage juice sauces, yeah. Yep. Uh, jazzy, jazzy, jazzy juice, jazzy right. juice. Ezekiel's jazzy juice, I believe it was. Uh, right? Did um, I say it right? Unk, unk, unk. Yeah. Yeah. We just call him unk. Oh, unk. unk. Yeah. And, and I apologize, jazzy juice, for saying your name wrong because <laughs> I really want because I commend you because. Um, there's some people in this industry that are jumping in and just looking to make money. And then there's people in this industry that care. Right. And I recognize that the vendors in your events, Mm -hmm. um, all care to where one of them actually had a potency machine at their house that they're doing potency on all their products. Right. 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 Right? So I appreciate the fact that you're not just, you're kind of almost calling out your vendors for people. Right. Yeah. We, we want our vendors to, uh, only give out like top quality product because it reflects badly on us as well if we like host them in our space and like someone gets sick or something so we, we got to be on top of quality control and we hope our vendors are too and we keep them on task about it yeah um and what you're they're doing is basically open the space up about noon on saturday so if you mm-hmm. go to the instagram account it'll be more information of where where it is and what vendors will be there on that saturday but mm-hmm. um i recommend for people to take a look at it and if you are looking to Go out and get cannabis-related products um, and not maybe deal with a really busy pop-up mm-hmm. where you're going to have a mm-hmm. line at the door and everything. This is this is more your space so you'll be able to roll in and out uh, yeah. more casually. If you yes. want to, um, a special offer for the listeners, if you want to DM us the name of the podcast on Instagram for the Saturdays, you get a little, a little surprise, a little oh, special man. discount at the bar. So definitely come through and check us out uh, on Instagram. It's at the Green Lounge ROC. Move... You just took over the mic, my man. <laughs> Take it Skirt. over, Move. Home Give run. me so Move's twenty six. He's from New York. What yeah. I've learned about Move so far is, um, he may not be looking you in the eye when you're chatting with him, <laughs> but that mother pupper is thinking. <laughs> yeah. Like he asks very good questions, mm-hmm. and what he does is he has this little concentration thing that I've noticed on him that. Most other people might be talking to him and go, oh, this guy's not even listening to me. I know he's more focused when he's in this Absolutely. mode, right, that's, Jeffrey? Right, that's why he's here. <laughs> yeah. so, so so, I hope that's okay that I pulled that out of what I noticed about you, Move, because it's mm-hmm. not a negative thing. I think oh, it's a no, very positive that's, that's, thing. That's cool. I like hearing uh, observations about me. Mm-hmm. Um, so please tell people, um, you know, two parents, one parent, what's a little bit of your background and how did you get to where you are at 26 now where you really understand Word. the industry? Um, hmm. All right, so I got my two parents. I got my, my dad's Puerto Rican. My mom is a second-generation German immigrant, um, born and raised in Chelsea, New York City, on Manhattan. Shout-out, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what's up, Chelsea? Yeah, what's up, Chelsea? Um, I went to one of my first really, like, I don't know, world experiences, mind-opening experiences. Is uh, I attended Sunday school, 
at the uh, New York Society for Ethical Culture. And um, it wasn't so much like instruction in like Catholicism or like a specific branch of Protestantism. It was more like a, a comparative religion class for kids. So that was uh, that was really uh, formative in my worldview. And then um, I went on to do fencing um, at the Peter Westbrook Foundation, uh, Epe and Foil. Yeah, stabbing people with swords. <laughs> Lots of fun. Fence and fencing. Um, for those in Rochester, know we we do have a good fencing community here in Rochester as well. We've had yeah, Olympians fenced, come out I've of Rochester. Some people from Rochester at, at tournaments and stuff are great, great people. Yeah, yeah, we actually had a couple Olympians and Zimmermans out of Rochester that were fencers. So please keep going, move because yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. is a so fencing is discipline, skill, and it is um it's a very respectful sport. Yeah, I've heard it, the best description I've heard from um, Peter Westbrook himself is he keeps calling it like physical chess because you you have to outthink your opponent and at the same time like execute the movements accurately and properly, which is uh which is great. I really, um, I started out hating it because you're a kid and they're like, they're forcing me to run a mile. This sucks. I hate exercising. I just want to play video games and chill. But <laughs> then by the end, you kind of get addicted to it because that's the nature of exercise. And by the time I uh, took a, a broken blade to the knee and had to stop because I didn't want to damage my knee as a teenager. Um, yeah, I was addicted to working out and walking places and physical activity. Uh, how many years did you fence? Uh... From nine to like fourteen, so that's five years. Not a Do super. Do you recommend long time. parents to use fencing as maybe something for kids um, to to help them out as far as you know growing in life? Or it really depends on the instructor, to be honest with you, because there's like good fencing instructors and bad fencing instructors. Um, but it, it's like any coach for any sport, right? Like the, it's really coach dependent on how much your kid gets out of it. So if you look at the coach, you talk to the instructor, you're like, this seems like a good person that'll impart good knowledge and that's what'll happen. Yeah. So your parents uh, recognize it sounds like they put you in stuff right away or gave you the opportunity to do things different yeah, than maybe I, some of your friends. I really wanted to hop in on it when you guys were talking earlier about like uh, kids getting all these crazy opportunities and being forced into stuff. My parents were big fans of that. Um, but they put this they were kind of out of the box thinking about it they like like i said they weren't like go to sunday school they're like go to comparative religions class um they weren't like go play soccer they're like go do fencing they weren't like um i don't know go go learn the piano they're like go learn the bass or something you know they're, they're kind of out there with their expectations but they still like they wanted me to be happy but like still develop skills at the same time, which was nice. That is the one thing that I try to pass on to people in their 20s now. Mm. Um, mm. I know I, I regularly, people gravitate to me sometimes to have conversations and we'll get to the, hey, what do you do? What do you, well, and, and then someone asks me, what are all the things you do, Brian? Or, and I'll list them all. They're like, are you kidding me? What, uh, do you have that much time? And I'm like, different times in my life I gained a different skill. And then I was able to maintain that skill the rest of my life, right? Oh, yeah. So at his age, I love that he just talked about mm -hmm. skill. You've said it like four or five times in this conversation so far, Move. Mm -hmm. My son understands it, mm. right? Like um, a kid at work uh, had a, a knee surgery on his bursar sack. Yeah. It burst, right? Mm -hmm. So then he had his he had his surgery. It didn't go well, so he had to have it done again. So mm. they had to remove it and put it, do it again. And him and I just talked about this before he went out. I said... You're going to be home for two weeks. You're like me. Like, he's that guy that knows everything in our building already because he's right. that kid, right? So I could put him on any operation, any 
any product and I don't know, I don't have to worry about Connor. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I asked him, I said, what are you going to do for that two weeks? Do you have a plan? He's like, ah, kind of. I said, and I gave him, I said, do it or don't do it. Mm-hmm. Take the two weeks to learn a skill. Yep. Learn a language, a video Instrument. editing, yep. uh, photo editing, mm-hmm. something that will mm-hmm. keep your mind active while yeah. your leg is in a place that you hate. Because mm-hmm. the guys work out, he's in great shape, mm-hmm. young kid. So I love that you're talking about this because I talk about this. That my son, he's mm-hmm. done hearing about it, right? Because mm-hmm. I will keep reminding him, hey, you can do this, you can do that. Now my son, my son is very diverse with his skills to the point where I used to tell him, don't go to college and be overwhelmed by anybody because this, this, and this you've done with me in your life. Mm-hmm. Other kids haven't done this and this. They haven't climbed 20 miles or, in the Adirondacks. They haven't gone to Big Sky, Montana, Yellowstone National Park, right. 10 different national parks across this mm-hmm. country and hiked mm-hmm. and camped. And we've been backpacking to the point where you got to carry what's going to survive on your back right. for three days, yep. Spencer. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't think about that while we're doing it. We're just doing it. Right. But when I recalculate it to him, he's almost like, Holy smokes, you're right, Dad. We, right. Like, yeah. It's a no-brainer. Word. Yeah. I did that mental math a few years ago, and I was like, holy shit. I got so much given to me. I got to do something with it. <laughs> so what would you list as your skills right now in 26 move? Because I want this to be listened to other people in their 20s. Word. Um, shit. Well, I was a teenager when I first started working, so naturally they were like, you're a teenager. You know social media. So um, I got thrown into being like a social media coordinator, like almost as soon as I got employed. Um, so learn how to manipulate the algorithms, kids. It's good for you. Uh, no, it's huge. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's actually, every, it doesn't matter how big or small your business is. You can yeah, figure out those Je- algorithms. Jeffrey's a little but, sad that I got the uh, business Instagram bigger <laughs> and more more impressions no, with less posts. No, not so much sad. I was just kind of amazed by that move. Oh, thank that, you. That when you explained that the algorithms determined everything, I'm like, shit. This this guy knows something I don't know. You mm-hmm. know what I mean, he he really knows something that I don't know. It's not just. Inputting pictures and stuff is times is it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a whole lot of other variables and yeah. factors that make the difference. And I'm gonna, know I am gonna buy buy corner you to learn some more of that oh, since I'm sure. doing my own Instagram now mm-hmm. and I'm gonna have to yeah, be re up. So I'm gonna learn some. So what would be some tips you'd give to someone? Well, like just use social media consciously, right? They're designed to be Skinner boxes. Oh, shit. They're designed to be Skinner boxes, right? So you push the button, you get dopamine hit, right? You you receive a like on your post, you know, you're like you feel you feel good, mm-hmm. all, all that stuff. So basically, you got to kind of detach from that and look at it from the position of the social media network itself. You just have to be a conscious user and um, like note patterns. A lot of this stuff is already documented by like big YouTube creators, big Instagram creators. And really the hard part is like looking through all of the like kind of clickbaity articles on how to like increase this stuff, compare them to one another and be like, which one of these points is consistent? Like which of these points are consistent that I can apply? And then you kind of have to run your own experiments and be like, if I post it this time, what happens? If I add this hashtag, what happens, you know? And, uh, yeah, I, I have so many social media accounts for testing and stuff. It's crazy. Smart. I mean, you know let's talk about GMP. Did, that almost sounds like GMP, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Did you know how important those hashtags are? Yes. That's yeah, where I'm weak. I didn't know that. Yep. I see people do it all the time. I had no idea. I, you're right. Yeah, I didn't it's, either. It's kind of weird. It's it's really hard to articulate how to make a good hashtag. It's almost like an intuitive skill. It's like you have to learn how to read the patterns. I wouldn't call it a language, but yeah, you're right. 
Uh, all right, so you got social media. What else you got now? And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna name one because I've already seen this in him. Uh, he's a very good listener, and he's a good writer. Good writer and a good organizer as well. And um, it's funny. Know. My parents would disagree. With <laughs> well, you know, they're older. They got more experience, right? Like that's true. That's but true. but I see because me working in journalism field for twelve years, I understand at twenty six where where mm-hmm. a trained journalist should be really good, right? But yeah. if you're not mm-hmm. a trained writer. You're above, you're, you have that skill already. Yeah, I went to the high school of math, science, and engineering at City College. And uh, the joke in the school was it's actually the high school of math, science, and English because our English department was like a bunch of PhDs that were like selecting their own books separate from the state curriculum and just being like, you guys know all this shit already. You can write. Let's like get their writing skills up a little more. Mm. So that was super helpful. Went to a great public school. Thank you, specialized high school system. <laughs> so, how about this, though? He's picking out each moment of his life already at 26 mm-hmm. as what were key moments for him already. Right. It took me, I don't know, at 26 if I was that introspective. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I didn't even realize until a couple of years ago that maybe one of the reasons why I wanted to be an entrepreneur is because my grandfather was an entrepreneur, and I went to a school, Mother Sorrow's private school, where mm-hmm. most of the kids were from entrepreneur families. Right, right. I never thought about that till a couple of years ago, yeah, I but think, that probably drove me. Yeah, the big factor in that is that um, younger people are like, oh, the huge portion of their lives are online. Like, if you think about it, anyone born after 2005, you delete the internet, like, what is left of that person? You know what I mean? Like, it's all Instagram accounts, TikToks, people talking on Discord. And I'm not saying that's invalid. I'm just saying uh, the actual way that people experience life, like the lens through which they view themselves has become, like, you can look back on a specific day when you took a Snapchat and be like, oh, I was at Lollapalooza or throwing up in a trash can or something. Whereas, like, past generations, it's just hazy recollections. Or if you're a weirdo that wrote a journal, you got that to go on. So they they call it weirdo just now, by the way. I I I have a journal too, and I'm I'm like a millennial Gen Z, so I'm a weirdo too. It's great. Yeah, no, that is what he's saying is absolutely true because I look even at social media and go back and Google, and you see these pictures. I mean, that you can remember exactly where you were at, what you were doing, and the whole nine. That didn't, that wasn't a part of my reality. Uh, but definitely a part of his yeah, reality. And, and the best part is the algorithms. Uh, if you store your stuff on Google Photos, they'll like scan your photos for like faces or relevant stuff or any data they can find and like serve it to you as a memory. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Tell yeah, you where you what's up. I, I do. That's the one function of Facebook I kind of like is when the memories come up from random years. Right. Um, yeah. Because I've posted videos mm-hmm. um with music that i've lost mm-hmm. on my computers over the years or, right using iMovie yeah, yeah, yeah. and all of a sudden like uh, one video popped up recently that i don't have in my archive that right. popped up on my facebook as a memory and i was like yes i get to repost that for everybody without having to dig it and find it the like quality has got to be terrible oh you know it definitely was, <laughs> it was but just it's just like, <laughs> yeah but at the end of the day um you know my, my dad and Carolina gets to see a memory that we had 10 years ago with my son, right? Like That's true. You know, so to me, that's the only good thing about Facebook is it's a marketing tool. Uh, It's a tool for people to get angry at each other. But at the end of the day, if you have family separated out, it is a place where your family can really see what's going on. Yeah. I I remember when Facebook first came out, I was a little apprehensive about getting on it. And then after being on it for some time, I totally dropped it and just said I wasn't going to do it anymore. I didn't feel like... Being, yeah. And now, of course, look at me now. I'm like 
struggling to get this Instagram down pack. I'm always with move, move. How you do this? Move. How do I do this? What do I do to do this? You know. So it's this time and generation that we live in, man. Totally I'm different. I'm used to being tech support. <laughs> We, um, so tech support, writing, listening. What else you got moved? Did I did I take anything uh, or, or shorten you well, at all? I went to college for a year and a half. I went to SUNY Albany. Um, not shouting that place out uh, <laughs> because they kicked me out after three semesters for marijuana. I got three different roommates, three different semesters. All of them were like marijuana dealers. None of them knew each other. And the school looked at that and was like, you're clearly the common thread. You're the kingpin. I'm just sitting there stoned in the discipline meeting like, what? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about a legacy uh, a legacy he's got a serious yeah, mark so, for him so, right? yeah, when, when they when they kicked me out for weed I'm like I guess that's my degree now like fuck it I, I don't have anything else I can really like run with and become as successful as I feel like I need to be to do the things I want to do so I was like fuck it might as well he's on his way to being successful uh, gosh uh, uh, along with the uh, the other members of our crew which I'd like to mention, please. Uh, my my partner Woody, Woo. and of course one of our amazing growers is Brandon. You know what I mean? And we've got a lot of uh, people who have just kind of joined our team. We have two amazing, amazing trimmers. We seem to use them for everything, and that is Caroline and uh, Emma. Yeah. So I just want to say a little shout out to them. I'm glad you did. Your Word. team is phenomenal. Thank yes. you, brother. Thank I'm you. trying to add another trimmer to your to your gamut. Too. Let's do it. Please, we always need trimmers. <laughs> Let's do it. Machine trimmed weed is is a crime. <laughs> it, it shouldn't be allowed, but that's just a personal opinion, I guess. So we're winding down to the last ten or fifteen minutes. Um, I don't like rushing to the end of an episode because I want to make sure we still put out some good information, right? Yes. Um, so I want to recap a little bit. So, mm-hmm. legislation in New York State is running fast. And Absolutely. you're on this commission now. Mm-hmm. Um, this readiness commission, what does it really mean? Um, what have you found that you've done so far, mm-hmm. right? And what do you like that's moving forward with this commission? And, and how is it helping? Okay. Um, because of the person that I am, um, my, uh, my main focus is not so much just myself. It's my main focus right now is to try to bring everybody who wants to be uh, a part of this market and wants to be legal uh, to help them get there. So a lot of uh, the time, a lot of my energy is put towards um, just networking, you know, wonderful people like yourself, um, city council members, uh, the mayor, um, and more so than more so than anything, the people who are out in these streets that want to do something different, who really want to, who believe that, you know, we, we say legacy, um, as I stated uh, the very first time uh, we did a news conference, legacy to me means that I'm able to leave my children, my grandchildren, a legacy. Not just the fact that I am a legacy participant, but I feel like, uh, you know, the, the things that we are doing here in Rochester uh, with this with the cannabis and everything will allow me to leave a legacy for my grandchildren and for my children and that's what I'm that's basically what I'm trying to focus on and that's what my work is all about and your struggle probably a little bit right now is trying to decide what license is best for you and your team right absolutely <laughs> we, we, we're trying to do something kind of creative where um, if we can solidify a good 
working relationship with someone who uh, is interested in getting a license, then perhaps we can be one of their main growers and that would free us up of that type of license and maybe we can kind of concentrate more on um, uh, not a dispensary but a on-site consumption, on-site license. consumption, consumption license. license. Yeah, 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 yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. It's um, the way you say that, I always get, uh, my cackles kind of get up, my hair stands up a little bit because I go, all right, is that a direct or indirect interest based on the language of this, the yeah, law yeah, that yeah, just yeah. came out, right? Yeah. This 854A. So, right, right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things that need to be clarified to see what we can and can't do, right? right. So so when I first met, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm honest to a father by nose, when I first met Jeff Lee, I thought micro license was going to be what him and his team were going to think so about. Too. Absolutely. Um, and then they kind of moved to the thinking about maybe growing, processing, and then growing. And this is the not just Jeffrey, everybody's kind of thinking, then mm-hmm. social consumption lounge and what's really going to benefit their group the most, right? And this is one I'm put out there. And Jeffrey said the same thing. Find what you're good at, right, and that's where you're going to move forward, right, right. Jeffrey? We're, we're in almost all three of those spaces. Uh, some some things I enjoy more. I, I love the uh, the social aspect of what we do with the with the lounge. Uh, that's a lot of fun. It allows me to do the things that I love with the music. Mm-hmm. It allows me to, uh, to mingle, make wonderful connections with other people. Bro, what, you what else did you say? Oh, you're mingling. Yeah. Every event, he's out there talking to people, getting the crowd hyped. I'm behind the bar taking donations. <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, we, we have different directions we can go, but for sure, man, I love growing. And I think I, I, think I speak for everybody on our team. They really love to grow as well. That's, that's our passion. Mm-hmm. So we we just we're gonna kind of see where things will take us. We we kind of evolving organically, as they would say. You know, what I mean, we we're just taking one step at a time, but definitely, definitely, definitely trying to help people who want to move to the next level of this. That's the most important thing. Is there an email where people can reach you if they have questions or would like to understand what the committee is doing? Um, uh, yeah. So it, my email is uh, at. Uh, Sorry, it's S A I T A M three period one four one five at gmail dot com. Or you can reach me at. Um, should I get my personal email or just the? the... Get my personal email. It's up to you. <laughs> it's up to you, Jeffrey. Whatever you feel comfortable with, because because obviously everybody in Rochester knows. But if this is anybody in the state who's listening to this and wants to reach out to Jeffrey to find out about this well, readiness committee it, or any information, this is where it, they would in reach the, you. In the spirit of promoting everything that we do. Uh, I'd like to give my email. I mean, not my email, my Instagram, which is Puff Puff, P-U-F-F, Puff Puff Pass, P-A-S-S, R-O-C. And just direct message Jeffrey through mm-hmm. that and he will answer you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like YouTube, my YouTube bro. channel now yeah. all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> Hit the bell button. Move. Mm-hmm. what do you want to tell people your age um, that want to get in this business? Um, you and I have talked about a lot of things of yeah. um, expectations and yeah. assumptions, yeah. right? So what advice would you pass on to people your age that want to get in this game here in New York, your age? My advice would be your skills that you currently have are probably more applicable than you think. If you're like working as like a waiter or waitress or something, like that's pretty close to bud tending. If you're like working in IT, plenty of people need help with computers. Growers know plants, not computers usually. Um if you're a graphic designer, there's obviously space for packaging or promotional materials. There's 
The thing that's great about, yeah, security, the thing that's great about the cannabis space is it comes with all the things that normal businesses need as well, because at the end of the day, it's, it's a normal business. Mm -hmm. So you, you don't have to like sit with like your hands in the dirt, like cursing over seeds, getting mud all over yourself. You can work in other spaces in the cannabis industry. Absolutely. Um, and you just heard how his skill set that his parents, um, because they were more thoughtful, uh, I like to think maybe they're a little bit like me in the way they're raising you, which I think is great, uh, because they didn't just throw you in something to so they didn't have to have you for that day, right? right. They put you in things that actually helped you grow as a person. Which, they were extremely deliberate about their choices. That is, that is very refreshing, uh, and it's reflective in your personality and the way you hold yourself move. Um, Jeff, Jeffrey... You and I have had a lot of serious conversations mm -hmm. about where the legislation is going, what mm -hmm. the concerns are, how we can all um, help people get to the right spot and not waste time doing silly things. Right. Um, so now maybe just a quick synopsis. What, what would be your advice you'd give to someone who would be coming up to you right now and saying, hey, how do I get in this game, Jeffrey, and what advice would you give me? Mm -hmm. What advice would I get you? Uh, I would give you, I would tell you to find out as much information as possible. We, we're in a really, uh, a, a changing time right now, you know, with the legislation and um, all the different changes that are happening. You know, even in the meetings that we have, people are always asking like, you know, what's this going to have? How much is the license going to cost? What's going on? We're in such a, a changing time, a good time, but a changing time. I would say just keep yourself abreast on everything that's happening uh, within your local government. Uh, ask questions, get on, on the internet. Uh, definitely, definitely look up the different licenses and what, what they will allow you to do. That's very important. That way you have a good direction of which way you want to go. Yeah, you know you I mean? should definitely read the law. It's like a hundred something pages of really, really boring legal language with like the numbers on the side and everything. But it just to actually like have a firsthand knowledge of what's happening and not have someone else tell you what they distilled out of it is really valuable. Yeah. Hundred uh, percent, and also I would say save money, ask questions. Um, but one of the things everybody's been talking about is. Pretty much, you're looking at probably needing about a half a million dollars mm. um, for your two to three year operating expenses. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to keep mm -hmm. that in mind. Yeah. And that's, uh, Jeffrey and I have debated this internally many times, and Jennifer at the library kind of validated when I was at right. a meeting last week where yeah. I kind of said that figure, and she stood up and said that's the figure she's seen as well. Wow. Um, and the only reason why her or I kind of default to that. Um, is because of the insurance, twenty to fifty thousand dollars a year of right. the, the tracking system. So people need to understand that there is a lot of money because we don't want you to come into this game not prepared um, financially or um, with your paperwork mm -hmm. uh, because you're going to end up getting taken by one of these predatory people, and we don't want to see that get in the state. So right. we want to help Jeffrey and myself move. We're all definitely trying to gather as much information as we can right. and pass it on as we know it. Because you're right, Jeffrey. It looks like, and this is why I want to give everybody the update, so it's a perfect segue. We are looking at these regs probably coming out. By it's the second quarter. I don't know. What's, what's that? April? February. I'd say we're going to see February and March. We're going to see the first written regs that we're going to have a 60-day yeah. comment period okay. on. Or, That's what I'm thinking. So, like, so, May, early May? 
Um, yeah, so early May would be after the six days. I think I, I think this okay. is kind of what they talked about. They would release February or March, and then 60 days, do that 60 days, this is what the state has to do. They have to review every comment that gets submitted yeah. to them. Got you. For the hemp regs, they had 17,000 comments to go through. Nice. The THC regs are going to be way more than that, and yes. they legally have to go through every single comment. Right. So in, in, uh, in response to what you're saying now, we are very being very pur- purposefully... Um, talking about the regulations as we know it, or at least some of them, you know what I mean? And trying to collectively not not ask for what we just want, but we want to come up with, with uh, what's the best way to put that? We're we trying to come up with Accommodations solutions. maybe? Yeah, we want to we wanna, we wanna be the director of what we want to do, not just... You know, ask permission. Well, can we do this or can we do that? We would like to be a part of the process, and the only way we think that we can be a part of the process is to come together, talk about it, come up with a, a list of ideas or changes. You know, from from beginning to end. Yeah, no elected politician can ignore their constituents and expect to be reelected. So we're trying to get enough people together that they have to listen to us. Yeah, that's correct. And then secondly, um, I am a member of the New York Growers and Processors Association. Beautiful. I'm on the processing committee uh, and we have already submitted two white papers to the state. Uh, so there's five of us on our committee. Uh, we basically sit in um, weekly meetings. We kind of talk about all the issues that we see from that legal document, the first document that's come out, the law um, that MOVE referenced, and we kind of say, hey, this is what we want to, uh, as you guys are going to write the nec- the actual regulations, mm-hmm. these are our concerns from what we saw in the law. Who wrote those for you, Brian? I mean, like you, the people within just your company or just someone, so, friends? Uh, or for, so for the white papers in this case, for mm-hmm. instance, um, the, the, there was the first white paper we put together, I kind of wrote, and then we all kind of submitted ideas and then reformatted a little bit. Great. Uh, the second one, we had uh, another one of our processors, Hunter Friedland, kind of his, him and his chemist kind mm-hmm. of wrote up the majority mm-hmm. of the hydrocarbon paper. So where did you hand that? I mean, like, what's the handoff? So, so what who, we do is we that? as a committee, um, that's a great question, thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, so we as a committee kind of formed this white paper that we submitted to the New York Growers and Processors Association on board. Mm-hmm. They review it, modify it, send it back to us if there's any changes that need to be made, and then they will submit it to the politicians directly. Beautiful. So uh-huh. what would be your advice to us? Because we meet with about any place from 50 to 60 growers, local growers, word. every week, every Wednesday at uh, 2 o'clock. And Moof and I on Saturday, mm-hmm. um, Jeffrey asked this question, but it kind of just to set me up, which thank you very much for that setup. Uh, Moof, Moof and I on Saturday, we're talking about this. So we talked about your first meeting and how to kind of put the comments together. And then earlier today, I had a piece of legislation just sent to me and I mm. forwarded it to you, Jeffrey, so mm-hmm. you'll get to read it. Uh, I have not read it yet and I know right. Jeffrey hasn't. Gonna reference it right now for everybody, um, so everybody knows that they can go on because there is something going on where they're trying to get early, um, early licensing out there. Forward that to me too. Yep. So yeah. what it is is Senate Bill S eight o eight four. It is currently in the second step of the legislature right now, um, and it's basically a bill that provides for the conditional adult use cultivator licenses and adult. Uh, conditional adult use processor licenses. Mm. So they're talking about the conditional. Um, I've read yeah. some of the um, conditions so, within it. How long do we have to respond to this right now? Is that 60 days? So this isn't out. This was it's something that out. the legislators yeah. are going to mull over and yeah. either approve it's, it's still or a bill. deny. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is what's gone up already. So this is kind of 
probably a lot of what you guys and your group put together yeah. probably is in this bill. But this is bill is mostly hemp license current hemp growers and and license holders mm -hmm. will benefit from this provisional. Right. So some of the things I saw, I didn't read anything. So I apologize if, um, if I go out of turn here, but we're going to close up here in a minute. But um, it does look like there's some provisions where you have to be a good and good standing with the state of Department of Agriculture mm -hmm. for your current or for your hemp grow license. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you grew hemp two out of the last four years, it looks like that might be someone that you might be able to get a condition. Uh, right. Um, one of these. Uh, Would one of these conditional adult use cultivator licenses. In, in, the, in, the, in the space that we're in now, Brian, would you still suggest that, uh, you know, people who want to become license holders, TXC license holders, would you still suggest that they go the hemp route? As, you know, or it's too late? After, after today, mm -hmm. I would say no, because on that bill specifically, it says everything had to happen before December 31st, 2021. Gotcha. Gotcha. So unfortunately, if you join the hemp game now, it, it will, it will, what, if you want to get a hemp grower's license now, there's mm -hmm. two benefits. Number one, you can understand how to get in GAP compliance and what that means mm -hmm. and understand what it means to work under regulation. Gotcha. Those are the two benefits to me for people that haven't grown under any kind of, um, organization watching your every step. Right. Most legacy, legacy growers, you've been your only monitor. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I don't know the advice to give yet. It's mm. still early. But I will promise you over the next couple episodes, everybody, we will filter through this. Mm. As this information comes out for this provisional licensing, I will add it in. And the minute the law comes out or the new regulations come out for the state, I will be posting them on my website uh, and my social media accounts. And we'll all be discussing them because we will all want to give comments back to the state mm. to figure out what the best thing is for as all of us. As many as possible. Spam them <sighs> with comments. Yes. Yeah. And, but like Jeffrey and I've said the other day, let's make sure they're educated, right? Like mm -hmm. if they start reading a thousand comments of people of things that aren't even possible in right. the legislation, is that really a good wise use of our people reading the comments? Right. right. I mean, yes, kind of. I, I just like having more time is really what it comes down uh, to. <laughs> <laughs> but I like this because Moof wants more time, and I've heard another legacy grower at an event last Absolutely. week said the state should take their time go slower, right. while most business owners in New York State are like, let's yeah, speed they, this they up, and the consumers are like, let's speed this up. We want to walk into a dispensary. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, so, you know, just, yeah, the, the, if it goes too fast, it just cuts out the legacy market by default because right. there's so many organizations and mechanisms that need to generate capital like legitimate capital for the legacy market in order for them to establish themselves as a legitimate business whereas giant out-of-state interests have like six seven figures to throw at any problem they have I, i'd like to also say this and I, I love to keep things on a positive note love to keep things on a positive note but you know like this and i always say this you know, if we get this right here in Rochester, if we get this right, this is this will go national. I mean, I'm not just talking about New York. I'm just talking about just if Rochester gets right, you know, I mean, we will be the role model for the entire country. But if we get this wrong, my brother, it will not be a good thing because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to the legacy market. They're going to retreat, they're going to dig in, and they will be the state's competition. It's going to be like what happened in California. You know, and it's still happening now. And right. it's still happening. Right. Yep. So, I mean, like, we can do this right 
and make it really big and be an example throughout the entire country, the actual world, world honestly, yeah. right? Or we can... Or four or five big money players come into the state, run everything, and yep. then all the legacy people dig in and the black market's not going away. Yep. Right. That's Absolutely. the bottom line, folks. That, that's it. Well, there, there's no world, other way. Yeah. So, I mean, it's up to state to, to, to decide how they want to play this game, but... At this point, one last story I did not share. At the Reverie, one of the guys who wrote the hemp regulations actually sat down with the biggest legacy dealer in New York City. That's right. While they were at that event, he got his whole distribution network, where he was getting the strains, what strains moved, because they want to understand how big this network has to be and how many license holders are needed. That's the conversations that are going on in the state, everybody. So for anybody in the legacy market that's still paranoid or worried or thinks the state not looking out for them, I'm going to tell you right now that... The people at the state level see the money issue, they see the predatory lending issue, and they also are digging deep with legacy people to understand what the real market is in the state. And for those things happening, I'm actually very positive, and I think the state might actually get this right. And one other thing that we have to either come up with a committee to figure out is that there are people who are really running really great cannabis businesses now. They're not legal, but they have a payroll, uh, they might employ any place from 15 to 20 people. And, um, you know, it's it's a real business. Yeah, the only it, thing they probably need is documentation. Right, yep. right. Um, documentation. To make them solid. Otherwise, they had a good probably it, business model. You're it, right, 100%. A, a corporation. And here's mm-hmm. the other thing. We have got to come up with a way whereby, and I think you, you mentioned this earlier, Move. we've got to come up with a way by which they can get their money in the game. Because there's no banks, there's no loans. So, you know, what happens when someone comes up with 100000 200000 and say, here's my money for yeah, a license? You can't pull 500000 out from under it's, your it's, bed. It's, it's got to be Stay something. away from Chase. Stay yep. away from Bank of America. Mm-hmm. Stay away from your federal credit unions. Yep. Um, the one bank I will tell you in, in around the New York area, um, if you are a hemp company, uh, MT Bank is working with you. Mm-hmm. Um, just so everybody knows, MFT right. Bank may end up being that bank in New York. We don't know, but as of now, they actually seem to be the best of anybody. Um, so just a heads up as far as banking. And I am going to cut this off because we're getting close to another call for me. Um, so one more time, move the Instagram accounts, please, for people to find the Green Lounge and Jeffrey. The Instagram for the Green Lounge is at the Green Lounge ROC, and Jeffrey's personal Instagram is at Puff Puff Pass ROC. Sorry to cut it off, everybody, but we definitely are going to add more information in the future. I thank all of you for coming back and listening. Brian, thank you very Woo. much for having me. Shout out to my family. How- Shout out to my sister. Love Please. you guys. Thank you for making me into the person I am today. Ah, that is such a respectful and, and, thing. And so nice. me, my brother, I have to say, man, like from day one since we met at the a Reverie, you've been nothing but like open and and Word. just receptive and inviting and friendly. And I want to appreciate. I want to say thank you because I really truly appreciate your friendship and all that you've done to make this thing keep doing what it do, bro. Uh, thank know? you for Likewise. being. Yeah, thank you for being on my. Uh, episode that comes back out again because you. Uh, you guys really I love hanging out with you guys in your space <laughs> uh, I can I definitely plan on continue doing that uh, visit the Green Lounge folks I hope to see you there on Saturday at a public market event thank you the Green Market yes, sir. look forward to seeing you alright mm. have a great day folks and stay lit <laughs>